passion fruit spray? Fruit spray? Sure. children yeah. just keep your receipts 10 a.m tomorrow 10 a.m tomorrow santa's coming to town yes well good morning hope so glad that you're joining us in worship that's uh it's the holiday season it's the season of the holidays it's the most wonderful time of the year i hope that you come here this morning and you come uh, on the heels of a wonderful thanksgiving holiday for so many of us now is the appropriate time to start getting things ready for christmas uh, just an informal poll whether you're here with us in the room whether you're joining us at one of our local sites online or one of our campuses just a poll i'm just curious because everybody looks at this a little bit different if you think it's appropriate only to decorate your house the internally and externally for christmas after Thanksgiving, please raise your hand. Bah humbug to you. How many of you uh, truly get it and truly are more like Buddy Elf than you'd care to admit? Think that it's extremely okay to put your lights up to decorate your house before Thanksgiving. Yeah, you're my people. Now, now there's another group of people. How many of you say, you know what? It's going to be like four weeks. It's not worth it. Why go through all the trouble to put something up that we're, and take all the bins out? Does anybody have the bins like we have the bins in our house? Like we have a storage area that's three quarters Christmas bins. And it's like how many of you are like four weeks for all of that? Let's just keep them in the bins all year and not decorate at all. It's okay. Judgment free. Judgment free. And how many of you are uh, like I would love to be and say, you know what? It's going to come again. So why ever take the Christmas decorations down? I mean, they're, they're, you know what, and for me, uh, being that Christmas is coming, it's, it's almost time. For me, for all of you Hawkeye fans, I gave you an incredible gift yesterday. Because, yeah, no, you can thank me because I'm a Gopher fan. And we punted on so many games this year just to give you the most wonderful gift of the outright Big Ten West Championship. Good for you, but it's Christmas season, so I'll, I'll be happy for you. And Cyclone fans, I got nothing. But anyway... Uh, it's the Big Ten. But it's almost time. And Buddy the Elf was so excited because he knew that there was announcements that he had to make. And when you have an announcement to make, you make sure that everybody hears it. Right? That's what we do with good news. And make no mistake about it. When we think about this season of the year, this is a time, this is a season 
where we set it apart, we make it holy, we, we literally, we, we partition it off because this is a holy time. It's a season of Advent and this time is a time where we point to good news. Now I know for, for some people, the, the, the season of the holidays and, and everything that comes along with it for, for many different reasons isn't a time that, that feels very wonderful to you. And that's why this season is important. Because it's holy and because we, we, we have news to share that's more than just whether or not Santa's coming to town. It's, it's the fact that, that, that there's something bigger. And you need to hear it. Have you heard it? When you have good news to share, you got, you got to hear it. I remember my wife Bridget and I, we got married uh, on December 27th. Yeah, we were the ones who ruined everybody's Christmas. But that's just, that's the way we roll. We got married two days after Christmas. Uh, we got married in Roseau, Minnesota, my wife's hometown, which is six miles south of Canada. And so as we were anticipating our wedding, Bridget kept saying the same thing over and over and over. She'd say, you want to know what would make my wedding perfect? And I said that I would be there. She said, no, uh, that, that, that we would have snow on our wedding. And I would say, sweetheart, uh, six miles south of Canada, we could get married in October. There's going to be snow on the ground for our wedding. She said, no, the th only thing that's going to make our wedding perfect, I said, is if I'm there. No, she said, no, as uh, if, if it snows. On our wedding day. That's just, she prayed for it. That's what she wanted. She could have cared less about the decorations inside the church. She has a, a, an aunt that's an interior designer that said, hey, can I decorate for your wedding? And Bridget was like, sure, take over. But she just wanted uh, snow. And so the morning of December 27th, I was staying at the luxury hotel in Roseau, Minnesota called the American. Uh, it's wonderful. They have refrigerators in your room. It's great. And a microwave. Uh, and so you can keep it cold and then warm it up. It's amazing. And so I was staying at the American and the, my, my phone rang extraordinarily early. Now that's something for me to say that. Because for me... I've always gotten up early. I wish I was like some of you that it's like 11 o'clock in the morning and you're still sleeping if you don't have kids waking you up. God bless you. That's not me. If I make it till 6 a.m., I'm like, yeah, I slept in. If I make it till 6.30, I feel like I wasted half the day. That's just the way I am. Now, I don't stay up much past 10, but that's another thing. But the phone rang so early and it was my wife's... Uh, voice on the other end and she was screaming and so I thought maybe she realized that we were getting married and she was running but that wasn't it she was screaming and she's like it's snowing it's snowing it's snowing and I thought oh she's gonna get her wish and so I went over to the vinyl curtains in the American uh, and I peel them back and it, it wasn't snowing like snowing is like you know like like beautiful like uh like like painted it, it was it was going this way like it was going this way and, and the wind was so strong it was going this way because there isn't a hill in sight to stop the wind. I said, Sweet, this isn't snow. This is a blizzard and who's going to be there? Nobody's going to be able to make it. And she said, who else do you need? Man, we, we have good news to share. Incredible news to share. We do this Advent season. Season of Advent, we, we, we kick it off this weekend. Each week of Advent, we, we, we light a, a, a different candle. And sometimes we think that the season of Advent is all about a season of, it's just about waiting. And, and most certainly, there's waiting involved in Advent. Especially if you're like below the age of, of, of 15 and you're waiting for your, there's a lot of waiting that comes in Advent. But more importantly, Advent is a time where we anticipate the only one that we've ever needed to be there. The reality of the arrival of Jesus Christ. That's what Advent means. 
If you take the word Advent, it, it means from the, the, the Latin, the word the ad means to. And the, the vent part of it comes from a Latin word that means to arrive. It's the arrival of a notable person, a notable time, a notable event. And with all due respect to any of the other Advents that have ever come across, people who have arrived, a time that's come, a season that's come upon us, there's nothing that's more important than this season that we're celebrating together that starts this weekend. Because we can get so excited about all the other things. But if it isn't for Jesus Christ, and, and don't miss that. If it isn't, if it wasn't for Jesus Christ, we'd have nothing to celebrate. I mean, this most certainly is the, the, the arrival, the, the, the truth and the reality of what we point to that happened 2,000 years ago, that, that God entered the world in, in, in human form, that, that he came in flesh, but also the promise that he is going to come again. That we celebrate what God had done and we celebrate with, anticipate, with anticipation of what, what God's going to do again. And that's good news. It's the Bible reading that Alyssa started uh, here in West Des Moines. Alyssa started uh, the service off with, with Mark chapter 1. It's the beginning of the story of Jesus from Mark's perspective. There's four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The, the Gospels li literally mean, the word gospel literally means good news. In the Greek, it's an evangelion. It means good news. And so the Gospel of Mark starts very differently than the other Gospels. Matthew and Luke both start their Gospels, their story of Jesus, and they point to his birth. Like Luke's the story that we read on, on Christmas Eve. It's the story of Mary and Joseph, and there's no room for them at the end. Matthew tells the story of Jesus' birth. He tells it from a little a different perspective. John tells the story of the beginning of Jesus and links it not to his physical birth, but links it to the, to the dawn of creation. But Mark's starts it differently. It's as if Mark doesn't want to waste any time to make sure that we won't miss the fact that what God is doing is incredibly good. It's transformational. It changes everything. It changed everything about people's lives then, and it changes everything. It changes everything about our lives today. The news that was so good then is just as good as it is now because we're always in a time where we need good news. It's always the right time. I mean, Mark was writing into a culture and into a context that had been waiting for God to make good on his promise for four centuries. You think about it. Every year, every week, the, 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 the Israelites would share the stories of God. It was an oral culture, so they would tell the stories of what God had done, how he had freed his people from slavery, about how he had gained victories all, over all of these armies that had threatened to, to take their freedom away from them. And God had promised, even in their times of oppression, that God was going to, to set them free. And they knew the story. And in, 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 all, in all reality, there were so many of them that knew the story so well, they, they, could, they, they could recite it on a moment's notice. But they started to wonder if it was ever going to be possible for them. I think that's the way that it goes in life sometimes. Isn't it? 
So yeah, it's good news, and, and, and I know it. But man, do I need to experience it. I can't tell you how many people just in the last week in my life, just on, on Wednesday, I was talking to a good friend of mine. He and I were texting back and forth, and he was sharing a few things. And, and the texts, so they're just popping back and forth. And then all of a sudden, the very next text, he literally said, my, my dad just passed away. Just found out he passed away. I thought to myself, my goodness. That's just one person. And how many of us? need to know that there is a God who's going to enter in. Whose arrival we have the opportunity to prepare for. But sometimes things get so crazy and they get so much about all the good things but not the best thing that, that, we, met, that we can miss it. I mean, the Israelites had been waiting for 400 years and so God sends a, a messenger to them. Going to be somebody who's going to announce the fact that God was, was moving and that they needed to make sure that they were ready to, to experience the movement of God, the one that he was sending. Mark's gospel says in Mark chapter 1 verse 2, he says, look, I'm going to send a messenger. And this messenger I'm going to send is going to, is going to point to you. He's going to point to you the one whose arrival you've spent your whole life waiting for. But it's not just them, is it? It's us too. Take a look. I baptize you, ready for the new kingdom. As you are cleansed, so all Israel shall be cleansed. Do you truly repent? God's axe is ready. Every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. gospel for today again. Look, I am sending my messenger ahead of you, and he will prepare your way. He is a voice shouting in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord's coming. Someone is coming soon who is greater than I am, so much greater that I'm not even worthy to stoop down like a slave and untie the straps of his sandals. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. 
His words are words that announce the coming of Jesus, but the words that, that we encounter in Mark's gospel have everything to do with our experience right here and right now. I just want to give you a few of them. Because like God doesn't want you to miss it, and God didn't want them to miss it, either do we. First thing that John calls out is he calls it out from the wilderness. So that he's a voice that's shouting in the wilderness. And we think about that and we look at that and we realize that John was on the outskirts of town. He was on the outside. He was with the people who weren't in the center. The people probably who weren't welcomed in. There were probably people who were more outcast than people that were of influence. And that's where John uh, had to announce it from. And how, thank God that God would go to the outskirts and rather than go to the insides. But also I wonder as we hear that today, I wonder what your wilderness is. I wonder where in your life it feels incredibly barren. Or maybe not even incredibly barren, where it feels as if it's a little bit lifeless. The wilderness that would uh, be uh, assumed by the people who were hearing uh, the proclamation of the coming of Jesus, the, the announcement of John, the, the, the wilderness for them was something that was, well, it was a story of, of their history. Because remember, the Israelites had spent 40 years in the wilderness, wandering. Moses had led them out of slavery in Egypt, and for 40 years they spent wandering, wondering if they were ever going to experience the freedom that God had promised. I think as we come into the season of Advent, I I think that it's important for us to be able to identify and, and to look internally and to say, you know what? There's probably a wilderness season in my life as well. That's why this story is, again, it's so important. It's not just something we remember. It's something that we experience because we all have wilderness times in our life. And praise God and thank God that he is a God who doesn't wait for you to come to him. But he goes to you and he calls out to you whenever and wherever it is that you are. John's calling out in the wilderness and he's telling the people to get ready, to to get prepared. Prepare, uh, prepare the way for the Lord's coming. Get everything ready. Make sure that you get all the, you clear the path, that you make the way, that you get the distractions put away. That's hard, isn't it? I think about all the ways in, in which we get prepared for this season. It's a season that's it's full of preparations. I think about it from the standpoint of my, my wife Bridget and I. We, we moved into a different house this this August. And so uh, as we moved into our house, we were incredibly excited to, to be, we are both Christmas uh, decoration nuts. We like it. We love it. You can judge us if you want, but it's us. Take it or leave it. But we love it. We, once we moved into this house, we were so excited to be able to, to decorate it and put lights on the outside of our house. Now, I'm not a really mechanical, technical person. Like not, if you want me to tell you a story about something, I can tell you a story. Doing something, whole different story. And so as we uh, moved into the house, we were thinking about, we had a, a peak on our roof uh, for our garage. And we're like, that's going to be the perfect place to put Christmas lights, which sounded like a wonderful idea in August and in September. And then in October, Bridget kept on saying, you know, at some point we're going to have to get the Christmas lights up. And I looked at the peak on our roof and I'm like, I, I can't get up there. And I don't have a good history with ladders. And she knows that I don't have a good history with ladders. In our previous house, in our, in our living room, there was no second story to it. And so somebody had the bright idea to put the smoke alarm 20 feet in the air at the top of that ceiling. And uh, there was a weekend where Bridget was gone. And the, the, those things, they always chirp at the wrong times, right? I had known for probably the first year we were in the house, I'm going to have to change that thing. 
So the smoke alarm started going off, and all I had was a stepladder. And common sense would say to go to one of your neighbors or call my parents and say, hey, can I borrow your big ladder? But I don't have a lot of common sense. And so I took our stepladder, and our stepladder was exactly the size of our dining room table, which was perfect. Yeah. Kind of proud, kind of not proud. But anyways, I felt like I was MacGyver at the time. It was awesome. Put the, the, the ladder on there. It had about a centimeter on, either, on every side of the thing. I put it there, and I had, to, I had to go to the top of the step ladder so I could just reach and kind of get, get the, the battery out of it. And those things never come out easily. And get the next one in and push the thing closed. And so after I got done, I sent Bridget a picture and said, aren't you proud? And she said, you are nuts. Don't you ever do that again. And so as we were preparing for Christmas and we started to look at the peak, she said, maybe we should hire it out. I said, what do you mean we should hire it out? <laughs> and she said, promise me you're not going to get on a ladder and do that. So I thought, okay, I'll listen to you this time. And I started calling to see if somebody could do it. It's expensive. And so one day when she went to work, Monday's my day off. Monday she's at work. She goes to work and I got on my house. And I got up on my house and that was awesome. <laughs> Like, I'm not somebody who's scared of heights. I'm just dumb with heights. Like, there's a difference there. And so I'm sitting there, and I'm up on my roof, and I, at least I called my parents so they could watch me die if I fell down. But uh, it'd be like punishment. for all, I mean, it would be like my punishment. All the things that I put them through, they'd finally, no, I'm just kidding. I should have stopped that sentence earlier. Anyway, I was scared there. Like, that was scary. That was fun. That was fun. But I thought to myself in the middle of that whole time on the roof about three weeks ago, I thought to myself, I wonder if I spent this much time on my heart, how much more ready I'd be for Christmas. Think about that. I mean, don't. Please don't. Don't spend more time on the outside than you spend on the inside. And it's so easy to do. Because, I mean, just, just the, the, the way that our life is, it, it demands it at times. We've got to keep up with the nuts down the street that put their Christmas lights up on November 1st. We've we got to keep up. We've got to do all these things. We have to have the right people over. We have to make the right Christmas list. We have to make sure that our kids get everything it is that they ask for. Is that really good for them? I mean, God calls out through the prophet John to prepare the way, and I wonder, what is it that we spend the most time preparing for? Because I believe God's more concerned with the inside than he is with the outside. You think about David. David, the greatest king that the world's ever known, that is chosen by God and was the most unlikeliest of choices because in David's family, he was the youngest and he was the smallest, but, but God calls him and, and God says, you may judge by external appearances, but I judge by the heart. One of the greatest songs of Christmas, one of the most well-known carols of Christmas, joy to the world, joy to the world, the Lord has come, let earth receive her king, let every heart Prepare. We, we can't miss that. Because too often we get to the end of the season and we feel as if we missed the whole thing. So John says prepare. And as a way to get people to prepare, he's, he's baptizing them in the River Jordan. And he's calling out for them to, to Repent. I think the word repent, sometimes it gets a bad rap. 
I think we look at repentance only when we're doing something that's extraordinarily wrong. And so if somebody's going to repent of something, it must certainly mean that they're the most deplorable human being that's ever walked the face of the earth. That's not the, what the word repent means. It means to turn around. But even more than that, it's turn around, turning around based on something that takes place up here. The word for repent in the Greek is metanoia. Now, metanoia means to repent, it means to turn around, but it's a compound word. And the, the two words, you have meta, which is the same word where we get the word metamorphosis. Meta means, means to change. Forth, the, the, the last part of that, metamorphosis, means to change your form. The second part of the word, that this noia, is where we get the word for to think. What God is saying to us is to change the way that we're thinking about the experience and the place where we're in in life. Because I think sometimes we've gotten this reversed and we've gotten it turned around and we somehow think that getting ready for Christmas is all about us. I remember when I was a sophomore in high school, there was one item that was on my Christmas list, just one. I told my parents it, I told my brother it, I told my sister it. Everybody was asking, what do you want for Christmas this year? What do you want for Christmas this year? And there was one thing that I wanted. It was 1990. The only thing, or actually 1991. There's only one thing that I wanted for Christmas. And that was a Charlotte Hornets hat. That, they were a big deal back then. It was the first time there was a Charlotte Hornets. Then they went away for a while and now they're back and cool again. But it was the first time they came. They had a center from Georgetown. His name was Alonzo Mourning, and he was a stud. They had a a power forward that came from UNLV, Grandmama, Larry Johnson. This was the team. Not only was it the team, they had the coolest look ever. Like, I had the starter jacket. Remember those things? Some of you are old like me. You remember those things? It was like a a quarter zip starter jacket. I had the Hornets jacket, and the only thing I needed to complete my outfit was my Charlotte Hornets fitted cap. And so I told everybody, I said, this is what I want. Take notes, please. This is what I want. A si- this was before the one-size-fits-all fitted hats. So this one, uh, they were wool back then. And so it, like, it, it either fit or it didn't. You couldn't like, like wiggle around it at all. So I said, I want a size 6 and 7 eighths, Charlotte Hornets hat, purple with the teal brim. That's all I want. And they would say, well, what else do you want? I said, nothing. What else do you want? I said, nothing. If I get three of them... All the better. Just make sure. All I wanted. All I wanted, purple, teal, six and seven eighths. And so it was Christmas Eve. My whole family was gathered. We went through all the things that we needed to do before we could get to the presents. And finally it was time to open the presents. And there was one present under the tree that was the perfect size. I mean, it was perfect. I had shaken it about 50 times. I'd shaken it. It was the right size. It was the right weight. There was no mystery that this, I was finally going to get what it was that I was expecting and I was hoping for. So it was my turn to open my first present. I went for the present. I opened it up. I plunged my hand into the box and I pulled out a size seven and a fourth maroon gopher's hat. And even I wasn't excited for it back then. Now, now here's the tragedy of it. Is my sister had just started her first year at that school and she wanted to give me something that would show like how much she loved me. And you want to know what I did? I took the hat 
and I threw it over my shoulder, and I said, wrong color, wrong team, wrong size, what's next? Yeah. Because I thought it was all about me. And I maybe thought that there was something under the tree that was going to make my life complete. Or there was something about the season that if we do the right things and say the right things and get the right things and plan the right things and decorate the right things, that somehow that's going to make this season, the season of Advent, as we prepare for the arrival of the the, the Savior of the world, that if it's all about us, then we're going to get it right. And John is screaming to us. He's calling it out. He's saying, change the way you think. Turn around because there's somebody that's coming that's greater. It's not about you. It's not about you. It's about what is coming for you and coming to you. It's about about the Savior of the world who's entering into your life today, right now, again and again and again. That the very God that hung the stars in space, this very God is calling out to you and says, I want to be in a relationship with you. I'm entering into your wilderness. I'm helping you to turn around. I'm helping you to live a life that's going to be rich and it's going to be full. It's going to be abundant. But too often we... We lose sight of it. We make it about us and we miss the whole thing. Ah, don't miss it. Don't miss it. Because he's come. And through the power of his Holy Spirit, he comes again and he comes again and he comes again. He lives in us. Nothing in all of creation can separate us from that. And he's going to come again. And he's going to put everything back together. You know, it's one of the most holy seasons that we have. It comes in a time of the year where we need hope and we need light. Church, it's dark right now, physically. Not talking about any of the events that are happening in the world. I'm just talking about the physical nature of the length and duration of the days right now. Where is your heart? Help to point light and to point Jesus to the world around you. That's why we exist. This is what this is all about. It's about Jesus. It's about Jesus. It's about Jesus. Because he's not just going to change the things around us. He's going to change the things inside of us. John had been baptizing people into the repentance, into a new way of life. But John says, the one who's coming that's greater than me, he's going to baptize you with fire, a holy baptism. It's going to change you from the inside out. Church, it's time to prepare. We live in in a time right now, I was doing some uh, research on this this last week and it was kind of horrifying. The average American uh, adult, you wanna know how much unplugged time they have on average right now? Eight hours. Man, there are 24 in a day. And you're probably saying, well, I just sleep just under eight hours. That means that you're maybe unplugged an hour a day. 
where there's not somebody or something that's taking your time. Teenagers, it's worse. If you're a parent, I know it's hard. Our kids are at the age now where they're, their phones are there, iPads are there, all that's there. Let's slow it down for them, okay? It's taking life from them. It's changing the way that they think. It's changing their brains. Teenagers right now, less than seven hours of unplugged time in a day. That's not healthy. I know the pressures of having a kid that tells you that if you don't give this to them, they're going to fall behind socially from everybody else. They won't. They won't. Take it away. They have the rest of their lives to get caught into the rat race that you and I so easily get caught into. But this is the only childhood that they have. Let's give them a chance to do what God calls all of us to do. Psalm 46, he says, be still. Quiet. Slow down. Put on the brakes. Prepare your hearts. Prepare your minds. Because there is a God who's longing, longing to be in a relationship with you. Who who descended out of the heavens and took on human form so that he... His arrival could change everything about you and for you. So we're going to close the way that we started this service here. And Perry's going to lead us in this song. And I'm going to, uh, I'm going to pray for a, a moment after he gets done uh, singing. But I want this, I'm, I'm encouraging, I'm hoping that this time can be three to four minutes of quiet just to let it go I know that every single one of us have something to do what right when we leave this place so let's take advantage of it in a holy way be selfish with it to receive it to hear the words that God has for us today and every single day of our lives and so whatever posture it is we're going to make it a little bit darker Whatever posture it is, both here in person or online, just sit, be still, and hear the words that God has for you. Prepare the way. Prepare the way. Prepare the way of the Lord. Prepare the way. Prepare the way. Prepare the way of the Lord, Jesus.
in Genesis chapter 2, where God takes the first human being and breathes his life. And that human being was alive, was filled up. I say that one of the greatest reasons why so many of us are so tired has nothing to do with how much sleep we get has everything to do with how we're able to still, be still, and to breathe. To be able to feel some sort of peace. This season of Advent that we are preparing for has everything to do with the peace that comes, that gives us life through the power of Jesus Christ. I couldn't be more excited about Advent this year. I couldn't be more excited for the ways in which God is moving in you and me through this church, through this world. John was shouting the message, proclaiming to prepare the way, and he had been doing such a good job of it that people were leaving him and following Jesus. And so people started to get worried about it, and they said, John, you got to tone it down because people aren't going to follow you anymore. And John said, no, that's why I came. I'm not the light, but I only came to point people to the light. Church, as you go, as you go this week after we worship to this last song, go and point people to the light of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Please stand, let's sing, and then we'll go and we'll point the light of Jesus everywhere we go.